Katie Steinberg, and this is Game Changers. Today, I have Brian Marakian, the esports director for the Americas for Populist, joining me. Brian, thanks so much for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Katie. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Brian is a uh, Kansas City native, and um, he was telling me a huge Chiefs fan. So love it already. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, so Brian, your team has been a pioneer in designing esports stadiums and studios. Um, what would you say your pulse is on the market? And do you think esports is still exploding in growth? You know, it's been exciting because the, the, the market has really rebounded um, mm -hmm. in a really strong way. Um, and, you know, certainly what we're seeing is, is that, you know, um, you know, when the pandemic happened in, in 2020, yeah. one of the things that was that was interesting for us to, to see was that while traditional sports um, stopped and really kind of came to a halt in many respects, everyone went indoors and what did they do? They, they played video games, right? And they and they found a way to, to socialize with each other um, through virtual platforms. Mm -hmm. And um, if there was one thing that remained a constant, really, it was esports and gaming and, and, and again, people finding new ways to um, to be together. And, and, and to enjoy it, you know, and socialize and again, engage in different forms of entertainment. So as an industry, what happened with esports is actually, it, it had a lot of um, growth. And in many, in many ways, it was very accelerated growth. Um, and, you know, people began engaging in a lot of different types of games. Mobile gaming really exploded. Um, Battle Royale style games, like, <laughs> you know, things like that really, or, I'm, I'm sorry, Fortnite really started to, to Propel because there was also a considerable amount of experimentation that was happening. Um, where Fortnite, for instance, became not only a game but a place for people to come and gather and and you know engage with artists, for instance. And you know there were concerts and things like that that were happening inside of games. And so there was a lot of accelerated innovation, a lot of a lot of um, ways in which people you know were engaging in different ways. There was a broadening demographic spread that we saw occurring. Um, there are now more people over 55 that, that identify as gamers. <laughs> and, and so you know, it's, it's, it's actually um, an incredible moment as we now come out on the other side and people are returning to live events and mm -hmm. into venues. All, all the work that really we've been doing at a planning level is now starting to materialize in, into real projects. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we're seeing, you know, across the board, candidly, um, in sports and entertainment, a massive amount of investment that, that's now um, restarting. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's there's a tremendous amount of growth that's happening in many different sectors. Yeah. Esports, you know, um, is is definitely something that that, that we are, are are watching very closely, and 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 there's been more activity now than at any point really since we began um, mm. to, to, to explore this as market segment um, going back seven, eight years. Um, this year, we have seen the most amount of opportunity growth and people okay. investing from all different seg segments, whether it's, you know, at a pro level, at a developer level, at a community mm -hmm. level. Um, and, and so, yeah, we're very, very bullish and, and very excited about, about where we're headed. No. Um, we kind of touched on this, but has the last two years helped expand the need for studios or more remote production venues to host these events because um, facilities have been become more broadcast based yeah um yes the, the answer is yes and, and <laughs> you know, just in, in your in your backyard in, in, in dallas yeah one of our first um one of the first projects for us that was an early entry into the space was the esports stadium arlington yeah um, which was an adaptive reuse project. Um, we worked with um, 
uh, Neil Liebman with um, the Texas Rangers, and, and he had a vested stake into optic gaming um, and really wanted to plant the flag in the center of the United States with the creation of a venue. Um, ultimately, um, that, that project was funded by the city of Arlington, and we um, embarked on an adaptive reuse of, of the Arlington Convention Center. Uh, one of the big components of that project's success was the ability to host esports events, but also many other forms of programming. So, you know, out of our uh, close to $14 million in investment into that project, 30% of that, 30 to 35% of that was just in the technology infrastructure and building out a very, very high performance uh, broadcast studio um, with cameras, um, you know, uh, studio production equipment, sound mixing, um, you know, all sorts of things for post-production so that not only can you host an event um, and have a live experience, um, you know, within the venue, but then be able to broadcast it, right, on, on linear, non-linear streams on, you know, Twitch, YouTube, et cetera. Um, what, what really was, was, you know, serendipitous was that while we invested in, into all that infrastructure, you know, they were prepared in many respects, candidly, when, when, when lockdown occurred, they were able to continue to have remote events that were occurring. Um, I remember going down in 2020, in, in November, actually, um, and we we had a we had a conference where actually I was on stage, but it was a remote broadcast. <laughs> wow. and it was like, and we just had the, you know because we had the production you know facility built out, it was it was perfect. So we're definitely seeing Crazy. that. Um, that's one of the great aspects of of, of esports and gaming and digital mm -hmm. entertainment in, in general is that you need to have a, a production studio environment um, to create the content. Mm -hmm. But what that does what that allows for is a lot of flexibility and hybridization, right? That allows you to have myriad different types of events that then you can broadcast out um, and reach virtual audiences as well, which we know um, is, is really not going anywhere. We're going to continue to have virtual experiences, virtual, you know, meetings, yeah. virtual yeah. conferencing, you know, those mm -hmm. sort of things. So having the production spaces for that content is super important. So you're not a stranger to market scale. Uh, you spoke with us back in 2018, like we were talking about before. Um, and then we examine key traits of an esports venue as being something more open, smaller and intimate, uh, kind of having design sections for standing room only um, and being kind of a hub or gathering place more than a seated venue like you'd go to for football and basketball. Uh, do you feel like this is held true? And then how have the projects you've worked on evolved or even maybe shifted in vision since you first started working on them? Yeah. You know, it's great to kind of look back at that in terms of like what, what our, um, you know, vision was at the time and where we are today. I think some of that still is, is very true. Um, but what I would say is, is that um, we've, we've seen a lot of diversification um, and it's all coming from the market. You know, the market's driving everything. Um, what we've seen are, are a couple things. Um, one is there's a diversification or expansion, I guess, of the spectrum of venue types. You know, everything from, and I would call it small, medium, large. And when I would say smaller scale, um, we're seeing a lot that's happening at the community and local level, right? And so we're doing a lot with, for instance, we're working with a group called Nerd Street Gamers out of Philadelphia. We're, we're um, helping with them to develop a, um, a nationwide um, deployment of facilities called local host facilities. Um, we just have one in Philadelphia, which is their flagship, but it's like, you know, a 19,000 square foot facility. It has land gaming, um, you know, uh, the ability to, to host small events, has a production studio environment, streaming booths, retail component. Um, but it really lowers the barrier of entry for, for you know, a local uh, following. 
and to use the facility on a daily basis. And so we we definitely see that happening. They, they've also teamed up with Five Below. They have small centers that are popping all over the country. And, um, and so that's a really, um, that we see that as going to be a very prevalent um, facility type. Um, we're doing similar things in, in Australia at the moment, um, you know, in shopping, retail-based um, areas. And then I would say, you know, then you're starting to see more happening on college campuses, right? We're seeing a big proliferation of, 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 of esports and gaming on college campuses because every university is essentially facing similar challenges. Higher education just is trying to get kids onto campus, you know? Um, it's things that are related to student life, and, and places for there to be small schools that have the opportunity to, to play and create notoriety at a high level are, are investing into major varsity esports programs. So there's a lot of facility types now that are beginning to originate um, at the college level. We're working with Butler University on a, on a, on a facility that will be opening later this year. Um, and then, you know, I would say, you know, at the, at the large scale, at the large scale, um, you know, we, we've been very fortunate uh, to have been involved with, with the Sphere, for instance, in, in Las Vegas, which um, will be coming online next year. And that's like, you know, a billion plus dollar project. And, and you know, that's going to be the, one of the most immersive, um, you know, in entertainment environments of the world, which will be home to all sorts of, you know, um, entertainment, um, whether that's live music or, you know, shows like Cirque du Soleil. Or it will it will absolutely be the premier you know esports venue in the world when when it, when it opens its doors, and so um, you know we we're definitely seeing um, a widening spectrum, and 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 we continue and will continue to see that happen. I think that um, in terms of you know um, integration into mixed use entertainment strategy is is going to continue. You know all of our facilities, whether they're arenas or ballparks or you know stadiums. Um, or, or esports venues will will continue to be part um, and contemplated as part of a um, broader mixed use entertainment strategy uh, for 365 activation and, and revenue viability, and 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 that's really you know uh, from our standpoint you know where we're seeing the the industry headed. Um, but yeah, it's a really it's a really it's been fun. I mean, for us, it's super exciting. You know, it's still an emerging market. It's still very formational, but. My populace, you know, that's what we've always been driven by is, is to be on the forefront of, of, of entertainment, on the forefront of sports and where the landscape is changing and, and, and you know, designing the venues that bring people together for, you know, amazing, unforgettable experiences, no matter what, what venues they are. So that's, um, you know, certainly what we're passionate about. So how long have you been um, at Populous or in esports? So I've, I've personally been at um, Populous for 17 years, um, and, uh, <laughs> and it's, you know it's it's hard to believe. It, it feels a little bit like a lifetime ago when I, when I began. When you but, started, <laughs> but uh, but it's it, it's a it's a it's an amazing place. Um, oh, totally. To what I, I do. And, <laughs> Yeah, I, I tell people all the, the time that I don't feel like I've ever worked a day because it's like Aww. it's always so fun, you know, when you go in and and uh, and we've just had the the opportunity to work on so many amazing um, iconic projects from you know the Olympic main stadiums that we've done or our work in the NFL. We were yeah. recently awarded you know um, the the Buffalo Bills, the Bills new NFL stadium. Um, a lot of my work has been in, in arenas over the years. Mm -hmm. I was one of the lead designers on T-Mobile Arena in, in, um, in yeah. Las Vegas. Um, and, then, and then, you know, I've been tasked with, with leading this, this entire division, you know, mm -hmm. for the Americas, um, you know, focused on digital entertainment and, and, and esports. 
And so, um, so I've kind of like evolved quite a bit um, you know, <laughs> during, my, during my time here at the, as part of our practice. But, um, but it's really fun because it's always changing. We have an incredibly uh, dynamic work environment Absolutely. and so many incredible people that, that collaborate with us and are part <laughs> of our, our team. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I was going to ask, so 17 years, what are, and you kind of touched on this, but what are some lessons that you've learned along the way that really help guide new projects or um, just different things you've learned along the way where you're like, this is, this learning that helped me create this or? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a really great question. I think that what I've learned over time is that the most important thing you can engage in um, every day is, is some form of experimentation. Right, we're always in in this realm of perpetual experimentation in a in a in a, in a, in a firm like Populous, um, because you learn something from everything that you do. Right, I mean, as a designer, um, you know, for every hundred or you know projects that I've designed, maybe one or two have been built. Right, because there's so many things that magically have to happen, you know, for for a project to to coalesce into into a real building. And, and so, but you learn something from every exercise, right? And, and so, you know, we have, um, you know, many calculated risks that we take and many experiments, um, some fail and, and some, you know, some, some, you know, but that's part of a process, right, of, of learning and growth. And so I, I encourage certainly, you know, my staff um, and the people that I work with and closely with, you know, to be engaged in design thinking every single day. Um, to push the boundaries every single day in terms of in terms of you know what you're involved with, who you're interacting with, how you're you know communicating with your clients, and, and how you're pushing the boundaries around design. And we've never been afraid um, to 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 be you know on the forefront of of, of uh, you know trying to understand new trends, um, human behavior, um, human psychology. You know, and what's ultimately going to shape our buildings is about creating something that's deeply meaningful for people and how they, how they, how they gather and how they socialize together. Um, that's what our clients want. That's ultimately what, what people want when they, when they experience one of our buildings or places. So to me, to me, I think that's what, you know, I, um, you know, we've always been focused on and as a designer here at Populous, like that's always been kind of the fundamental, you know, foundation of, of my work. Um, but, but, but certainly kind of, you know, it will always remain true, I think, in terms of, you know, what we'll, how we'll always think about uh, problem solving as, as, as a practice. That is so interesting too. I, um, that's something I'd never thought of where so much of just human psychology um, is involved in your job with, you know, fundamentals of community or gathering. <laughs> um, and yet that all plays into it. Um, I was actually going to ask too, and we kind of covered this, but I didn't know if there was anything else you wanted to add. Um, when you're working on these projects, um, what are some of the expectations or parameters that um, are given to your team? You know, so we, um, you know, every project is, is different, yeah, right? Of course. Um, and, and we, and, you know, Populous, we work on, um, you know, wide variety, you mm -hmm. know, from a, from a, a, a purpose-built, you know, stadium. Yep to an adaptive reuse um, project um, where we may be going into um, a facility that is, you know, we're intending to bring a second life to, um, you know, we, we're also working on, you know, all sorts of different things um, in the event world. Um, you know, I'm working with the NBA 2K league right now um, on, a, wow. on a, on a temporary venue that will be in place for five months for the taping of, of their season five. Okay. And we work with the Olympics and the final four and, and, you know, one of our fun uh, projects that just happened last summer 
was with the Field of Dreams, you know, and working with Kevin Costner wow. in uh, Major League Baseball, right? To bring a bring an event in a in a, in a small temporary stadium to life in a cornfield in Iowa, right? Crazy. So how fun is that? <laughs> but, but you know, I just I think that um, you know every project has its own unique challenges, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have so many different constraints you're working around from a budget standpoint, um, from a, a programming standpoint, from an operational standpoint. Um, from a longevity standpoint. And, yeah. and so, you know, we have very deep um, discussions, um, you know, at the outset. Oftentimes we're working with, you know, cities, municipalities. Sometimes we work with private yeah. ownership groups. And there's always a set of problems that are presented to us. Um, and, and that's, you know, one of the funnest parts, honestly, of, of, a, of a project is, is how to creatively, you know, create solutions with constraints oh, totally. and, uh, and, and boundaries. Um, but, you know, I think part of what we do quite well is, is we're, we're expert guides, you know, and we, we help that process um, as well. Um, oftentimes our clients will come to us and, and ask us how we would solve it, right? Mm-hmm. And we help them through that. Um, but, um, but yeah, every, every project is a little bit different, right? And yep. every, every project has different demands or different outcome that we're trying to solve for. But, um, but they're, all, they're all exciting in, in their own way. You've worked, so you're saying um, you've worked on the Field of Dreams. You've worked on, you know, the East Ford Stadium in Arlington. Um, very wide variety. <laughs> what would you say um, really makes a perfect stadium? <laughs> you know, and perfect's a hard it, word, right? But <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, always, it's always hard, right? Because I, I've always felt like, you know, the best project or the best stadium will always be the next one that we do, right? Because it's, it's always the one that you're – you're looking forward to the most and it's always the opportunity to apply all this knowledge um, and apply it in a, in a new way. Um, you know, I think it's, that's the thing that I was, I've always, you know, been so fascinated by um, throughout my career is, is to just try to look into the future and, and what's, what's ahead of us. But, you know, what, what I think is what, what would be perfect or what we would imagine as, as trying to create some level of perfection is simply a place that that's enduring you know, one that stands the test of time, um, something that that is meaningful to a community or a place, something that's transformative. Um, I look at you know one of our projects that we that we um, you know designed and built um, in San Diego. You know, Petco Park. Yeah, um, I know. Trace, well. Right. So you're you're a California girl, right? So <laughs> um, you know, you know that was such an amazing transformational project because it it changed you know that part of a city. Oh, right? completely. You know, yeah. Everyone wants to even live around Petco Park. <laughs> right. And so when, when, a, when a project can, can create change for a community and for a place, that's, that's really, that's, that, that's a moment of perfection, right, mm-hmm. uh, in many ways. But I think that, you know, when, when, it, when, when a building like that, um, any building, um, takes um, a place in, in, in a community's heart, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and allows for people to come together and generations of people to come yeah. together and to live it, and remember it and want to return to it, you know, time and time and time again. Um, and it can become a place that people never want to let go of. Um, you know, like, like Wrigley is a great example. Oh, absolutely. We've done, we've done a lot of work with, with Wrigley over the years. And we were, we were the architects who were responsible for a massive restoration of that project. Wow. That, that fan base, that community will never, never want to let go of Wrigley. Oh no! That's 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 a moment of perfection, right? Because because it's because it's there's Wrigleyville because of it. <laughs> yeah, Wrigleyville, right? It's so indelible and it's so part of the fabric of a mm-hmm. place, the community that they can't you can't imagine a place without it, right? And I think that's kind of 
if, if we were to design, you know, a, a building or a stadium or an arena and it could accomplish those goals, I think we'd come pretty close to it. I have two more questions um, and I'm throwing in one of my own because this is so interesting, but um, will we start to see a shift in design towards smaller footprints um, and maybe not having an additional deck on top? Because I know that's the most yeah. expensive development. <laughs> you know what? That's that, that, another good question. I, I think that, you know, what we've seen over time is a trend for less physical seats and, and more, more experiences in our venues um, and, and, and better seats and better experiences um, at a hospitality, entertainment level, more places for people to gather socially, uh, more places for brands to activate, more opportunities um, for hyper-personalized types of experiences. Um, one of the things that we talk about all the time um, is, is kind of this, this um, desire for people to come into a venue and, and choose their own adventure, you know, um, more or less, um, where the next generation audience doesn't really have the same desire to go and sit in their seat for four quarters or two halves, right? They want to just explore, right? It's kind of like, you and I or anybody like when we go to dinner like you know what's what's the first thing we do we get on to Yelp and and look at you know you know million reviews right because we curate this experience of, of something different every single time and so when people you know go into a, a stadium or arena like they have that same behavioral tendency and they want to explore and they want to they want to go try things that are different and I want to hey let's meet here after after the third period right um, or let's meet this place at halftime or let's meet here before the game or Let's go to the sports book after the game, you know, in, in the district. And, 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 so, and so, yeah, I think that what's happening is that um, we have uh, still a very powerful, you know, in-home experience. Uh, the NFL has done it better than anyone in terms of the power of the in-home experience. Um, and we have, we have a draw, right, you know, from a lot of different ways we can consume media and content around the events. And so we have to create a more powerful experience in venue. Um, and that's our charge as designers. But I think at the end of the day, um, what we're seeing actually is buildings maybe, in a lot of respects, not getting smaller physically, maybe a fewer seats, but but there needs to be all these additional areas, um, candidly, for all of these experiences. To make models. it more experiential, absolutely. Yeah. Experiential. So I'd say less physical static seats, That's there's a trend around that, mm -hmm. but more experiential moments that envelop you know, um, the building. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's definitely something that, that, that will continue to, to evolve, you know, over time, totally. but, I, but I definitely see that as the trend. So yeah. you're not even saying more like standing areas, you mean like more areas with actual like activities or experiential or just different like photo areas or things like that. A little bit of both. Yeah. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, absolutely like the Instagramable moments, but, but, you know, I definitely think, you know, standing open social areas you know places yeah. that are just almost like platforms you know that are connected to a bar experience here but you can gather with your friends like one of the things that we we designed at um t-mobile t-mobile arena were these really cool outlook bars that are perched over you know the the upper the upper you know seating wow. and you know we worked with um and then there's a nightclub hide nightclub yeah. that, that extends in between and it's like the most one of the most popular places in the venue because people even though they're the furthest, you know, vantage points from the ice uh, for a concert event. They're some of the most in-demand locations because people need to socialize. And, totally. um, and they want the freedom like, to be able to get up and do exactly. whatever. 
Absolutely. Exactly. So it, it's, 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 it's striking that right balance. You're still going to have, you know, purists and you'll have people that, that enjoy just sitting in their seat the entire time. And that's great. Like, you're, you know, ultimately trying to design for everyone, every, every part of the audience. Um, but, um, but definitely th those are the sort of things that, that we're seeing much, much more of as we're designing these menus. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, so again, you just, I mean, you just touched on a lot of different projects. Um, and I don't even know if you're going to be able to narrow it down, but do you have a favorite that you've worked on? And I know that's a really tough question because you just named so many projects where I'm like, anyone would be lucky to be a part of that. <laughs> Gosh, you know, it's, it's really hard. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so hard, right? Because again, some of my, and I, you know, some of my favorite projects have never been built. Um, wow. you know, that's so that's, true. And, you know, and that's, that's the thing. The there nature are so of business. Projects, you know, that, you know, this, you know, this, you go through a process of imagination yeah. and, you know, um, a real passion and love, you know, as you go through a project and sometimes it just doesn't happen for whatever reason, oh, um, yeah. you know, funding stops or, or maybe you have a global pandemic that occurs, right? You know, it's like, you know, there, there's things that happen in life. Right? But, but you know, some of my favorite projects, you know, honestly, never got off the drawing boards. Wow. Um, I will say that, you know, I will say that like um, just one of my recent projects that I really love um, uh, is um, some work we, we've just completed with Comcast and, and the, their G4 Studios project in Burbank, um, California. Yeah. Um, it just opened um, uh, this past year in December, actually. Um, but it was like it was a really amazing process. Um, we designed it entirely, built it through the, through the pandemic. Wow. Um, yeah, I remember <laughs> sure starting, that was easy had, in LA. <laughs> it was incredible, right? Yeah. We had, we had our kickoff meeting with, you know, Joe Marsh and Tucker Roberts. I remember in April of 2020, we were all sitting around, oh. you know, in our living rooms and oh. we decided to do this project together. And, and so it was incredibly rewarding. Um, and, and just, it was just incredible to see them, you know, open the doors, they restarted oh. their network. Um, it was a really amazing, you know, hybrid of, of you know, production studio spaces, sound stages, um, workplace, um, you know, places to, con you know, capture content on a daily basis and a new paradigm for us in many respects. And um, it was recently awarded um, the best new headquarters in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Business Journal, which was really cool. It's amazing. Um, but, um, you know, for me, um, you know, I can't ever pick you know, like my favorites, like picking your favorite <laughs> or something, but, uh, but, but that one to me is just fresh. It was special. And, um, and so there's, you know, there'll be many more, I'm sure, but, um, I'm sure the field of dreams wasn't but, too bad either. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And, and so it's, you know, we're, we're lucky. Um, and we, we've had the chance to work with so many great clients oh, and so completely. many, you know, amazing, um, cities and, 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 um, and so it's, it's really hard, but, um, but they're all, <laughs> So they're all yeah. special in their own ways. <laughs> um, okay, well, Brian, this has been um, amazing. I feel like I've learned so much and just also such a wealth of knowledge and you're so passionate about it and you are definitely on the cutting edge. Um, I feel like you're a big kid with like this imagination that's actually just putting it to life. <laughs> <laughs> and again, in the best way. <laughs> Katie, I'll take that as a compliment. So. No, it, it is. I meant, I meant it in the best way. Um, no, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show, though. You've been um, a fantastic guest. And uh, I appreciate it so much. I've been a fan for so long. So it was so great to be able to meet you and um, hear a little bit about the magic. <laughs> yeah, anytime. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Brian.